Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Coming Closer to Myself, Reflections on Turning 50, and is based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, October 23, 2005. When you read the weekly lectionary scriptures with Christians around the world, Every so often you enjoy a personal serendipity. This week I write just a few days shy of my 50th birthday, and as God would have it, the readings this week include Psalm 90, a prayer that is attributed to Moses, and rich with poignancy and pathos befitting my milestone. I'll invoke the privilege of my birthday to quote it in full. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger, for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to your children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The brevity of my life, which vanishes like the night, the inevitability of my death, regardless of how many marathons I run or how carefully I watch my diet, the futility of every effort to transcend my finitude, and the clarity of my failures, faults, and sins, that sometimes feels like a glaring exposure before a holy God. These are the blessed birthday reminders of the Jewish poet. The psalmist's somber reminders are blessed even though at first glance they read like a recipe for anxiety and despair. At my stage, the ordinary experience of everyday life might suggest just that. I resonated with a friend at church on Sunday who reminisced, About 20 years ago, when I turned 50, I wrote a poem. It was so depressing. At 50, gaining weight is easy. Staying in shape is hard. I once exercised out of vanity, now I exercise out of necessity. My biology is my certain destiny, and already my body betrays me. 
but nothing like the destiny of dust that awaits me. However skillful my, my future mortician, I too will revert to stardust, wither like dry grass, just as the Old Testament reading for this week describes the burial of the venerable Moses in an unmarked grave. My family of origin is my inherited legacy for good and ill. Professional accomplishments bring limited fulfillment. Why did I ever imagine otherwise? Personal inadequacies unsettle me. The consequences of some life choices feel irreversible, as when my son went to college three years ago and I cried when I realized that whatever parenting I had done with him for 18 years had finished an important phase. Last month, we deposited a second son at college and blubbered as we drove home that, quote, things will never be the same with him, end quote. True enough. So, if you live anything like a normal life, sorrow and heartache visit you sooner and later, and certainly by the time you reach 50. Whether through your parents, spouse, children, friends, boss, job, stock market, the random roll of the genetic dice, plain old bad luck, if a Christian can use the word luck, or from what Wendell Berry once called our, quote, irremediable ignorance, end quote. Life is difficult, wrote M. Scott Peck in one of the most famous first sentences ever in his book, The Road Less Traveled. He too recently was, quote, swept away in the sleep of death, end quote, as the psalmist put it. On September 25th, he died from pancreatic and liver cancer at the age of 69. So, brutal realism, modesty, and the embrace of the fleeting mystery of life all befit a person turning 50. I resonate with the many people who quote the lines of the German poet Rilke about, quote, living the questions, end quote. Some people at my age resist the analysis of the psalmist as too gloomy and over-pessimistic. Instead, they throttle full speed ahead as if nothing had changed. Displaced desires, reversion to superficial pursuits, social affectations, sublimation through obsessive work, escapism through play, cutting and running, and the old standby denial are all strategies people employ to avoid the obvious, that my banal, ordinary life is speeding towards completion. And that with what the psalmist describes as labor, sorrow, and a moan. Soren Kierkegaard describes in detail his own carefully crafted avoidance mechanism. Throughout his short life, he battled a pronounced and chronic melancholia that was bequeathed to him by his pietistic and stern father, exacerbated by his public humiliation in Copenhagen's rollicking newspaper, The Corsair, compounded by his sense of victimization, and neuroticized in his broken engagement with Regina Olson. His hypochondria didn't help either. For much of his life, he tells us, through a monumental effort of repression, diversion, and displacement, Kierkegaard distracted and protected himself from his melancholia through his prodigious writing. And there's no doubt that his melancholia served as a fund for enormous artistic creativity in interior reflection, a fact not lost on psychiatrist Peter Kramer in his recent book called Against Depression. But at one point, Kierkegaard believed that instead of distancing himself from his melancholia, holding it at arm's length, he needed to embrace it because he began to interpret his depression 
as a form of despair. Invoking a distinctly Christian audacity, Kierkegaard made peace with his melancholia and even believed that God forgave him for his proclivity to despair. Even though one might justifiably feel increasingly old and world-weary because of the litany of woes described by the psalmist, in relationship to eternity, Kierkegaard insisted, one can live forever young. Overwhelmed by God's love that overwhelmed his melancholic despair, Kierkegaard describes coming close to his self that he had formerly analyzed only at a safe distance. Listen to Kierkegaard. Alas, ultimately, I know of no truer prayer than what I pray over and over, that God will at any rate allow me that he will not be angry at me, that he will allow me to thank him continually, thanking him more because he has done and indeed continues to do so indescribably much more for me than I ever expected. Surrounded with mockery, plagued day in and day out by the pettiness of people, even of those closest to me, I know of nothing else to do in my home or in my inmost being but to give thanks and to thank God, for I understand that what he has done for me is indescribable. He permits me to weep before him in quiet solitude, to weep away my pain again and again, blessedly consoled in the knowledge that he is concerned for me. And at the same time, he gives this life of pain a significance that almost overwhelms me. He grants me success and strength and wisdom in all my accomplishments. Now life is coming closer to me, or I am coming closer to myself, coming to myself. Kierkegaard and the psalmist provoked me to take inventory of my fleeting life, to seek a heart of wisdom, and to embrace rather than resist what is at any rate inevitable. In my human imperfections and limitations, they insist I can discover divine consolations. They further point me to confidence, joy, and gratitude. In a culture of victimization, it takes audacity to celebrate gratitude for life itself with all its problems. In a society that winks at greed and encourages entitlement, contentment with your station in life supposes a radical experience of grace. In a world of staggering pain and inequality, there is still cause to, quote, enjoy every sandwich, end quote, as Anne Lamott once put it. Employing a delightful literary metaphor, Kierkegaard's biographer Joachim Garth reminds us that a person does not need to be anything other or greater than his own little faltering preface, in the confidence that at some point in eternity God will surely bring order out of the individual's divided and piecemeal tale and write an emphatic postscript. Here are some questions for further reflection. To what extent do your own life experiences resonate with Psalm 90? How does our culture treat aging and the elderly, and how does that compare with other cultures? What strategies have you observed that people use to embrace or deny what the psalmist describes? And for further reading, I'd like to recommend two titles. First, The Consolations of Imperfection 
Learning to Appreciate Life's Limitations by Donald McCullough. And then another favorite book by mine by Joan Chittister, Scarred by Struggle, Transformed by Hope. My book review this week is of a book by Reiner Maria Rilke, Pictures of God, Rilke's Religious Poetry, a bilingual edition translated from the German with an introduction and notes by Anne-Marie Kidder, Livonia, Michigan, First Page Publications, 2005, 158 pages. In recent years, many critics have come to admire Reiner Maria Rilke as the German language's greatest poet of the 20th century. After he died of leukemia at the age of 51, the critical edition of his collected works in German eventually filled 12 volumes. More modest readers like myself, then, will be grateful for Kidder's original translation of 61 of his religious poems that cover a 30-year period of his life. Kidder previously translated Rilke's book, The Book of Hours, Prayers to a Lowly God, Northwestern University Press, 2001. Rilke grew up in an unhappy home, including a brief stint in a military academy. From very early, he always knew that his life was meant for literature, poetry, and writing. His mother was zealously Catholic and outwardly pious, according to Kidder, both of which backfired on Rilke, whose rejected such displays as grotesque and meaningless. Instead, Rilke cultivated an inward piety that in his poetry explored the problems and the possibilities of religious faith in an age of unbelief and personal anxiety. A frequent theme, Kidder remarks, is the human heart's insatiable longing for the transcendent, the divine, which for Rilke expressed itself in religious proclivities that were decidedly unorthodox. After her brief introduction, Kidder organizes Rilke's religious poetry according to five themes. God, the Virgin Mary, Jesus Christ, the pilgrimage, and poverty. The left-hand page contains the original German and the right side her translations, accompanied by brief notes about the possible time, place, and origins of the poems. In addition to the Christian story, Greek mythology figured large as a source for Rilke's poetic imagination. Rilke's readers new and old can now enjoy the first ever collection of his specifically religious and biblical poetry thanks to Kidder's expertise. For film, I review What the Bleep Do We Know, 2004. Science and spirituality merge in this film to explore some of the most important questions that a person can ask. What can we truly know about ultimate reality, and how do we know it? Is there an independent reality out there beyond the subjective knower, or do we merely project and so create reality? The film combines interviews with a half dozen scientists in medicine, quantum mechanics, physics, and neuroscience, along with a theologian and even a channeler spiritualist to attempt answers. The film also utilizes animations and all sorts of technical effects to simulate time travel, memory, brain function, and so forth. This is not a great film, but it might well provoke some great conversations and more in-depth analysis of the issues that it raises. 
For poetry this week, we post Rudyard Kipling's most famous poem, If. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired of waiting, or being lied about don't deal in lies, or being hated don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise, if you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss, if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your long ter your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on, if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count you, count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with sixty seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Thank you for joining journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, October 23rd, 2005. Please join us every Monday for a new essay based upon the biblical lectionary, a book note, a film review, and a poem. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.